The scripture text this morning is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And now, Father, as I attempt to, with your help, unfold these words concerning what the law could not do, I pray that you would come and be powerfully in this service by your Spirit, quickening where there's no life and bringing into being what is not believing hearts, establishing faith where you find it, purifying lives that have become sullied, strengthening the weak, healing the sick, reconciling the estranged, encouraging the downcast, giving hope to the despairing, guidance to the confused, and a thousand needs in this room, Lord, ten thousand that I know nothing about nor can even imagine that you see, know, care about, that this word, like miracle bread, would have a healing, saving, befriending effect where I can't even imagine. It's yours, Lord. Watch over it to perform it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we are where we left off three weeks ago in verse 3 of Romans 8. Let's read verse 3 and I'll tell you where I'm going this time. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. And maybe you remember three weeks ago we said four statements are in that verse. One, God condemned sin in the flesh. Two, he did this by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Three, the law could not do this. And four, the reason the law couldn't do it is because it is weak through the flesh. And last time we spent the message on the first two, and today we'll spend the message on the second two. So the questions I want to ask today and try to answer are, what is it that the law couldn't and can't do? And secondly, why can't it? And why couldn't it? I'll tell you the reason why I think this is worth a whole message. It's because what the law once couldn't do, it still can't do. 
And the two things that I'm going to point you to that the law can't do must be done in you or you don't have eternal life. And there are many people that not just then but now turn to the law to get these two things done. And if you do, you perish. So you see what's at stake here? If there are things that have to be done that the law can't do, and people today go to the law to get those done, life is at stake. Eternal life is at stake in whether you get this or not. So I hope you'll listen. And I hope you'll be able at the end of this message to say, okay, those two things the law could never do. So I will not go to the law to get those two things done in my life. And then I hope that safeguard will be erected for you to protect you from perishing. And you'll look to where you should go, which is also plain in this text. So question number one. What is it that the law could not do? Now, the answer to that question is given twice in this text. It's given in verses 1 and 2, followed by a statement that the law couldn't do it. And it's given in verses 3 and 4, which follows the statement that the law couldn't do it. So let's look first at verses 1 and 2 and see the first answer. Verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The way we say that is, Justification is in Christ Jesus. Justification is the removal of condemnation and the replacing of it with a new verdict. Not guilty, righteous. It's a declarative act. It's not a performance in my heart. It's a performance in the courtroom of heaven. It's a declaration of a new status that you have if you're in Christ Jesus. So when you trust Christ Jesus... And some of you could do that for the first time this morning. What will happen if you do that is that God reverses the verdict hanging over your life. Everybody in this room, apart from Christ, has a guilty verdict. Condemned. If you trust Jesus, that verdict is reversed. Not guilty. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2 is not justification, but sanctification. It goes like this. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, after justification and on the basis of justification, new verdict, not guilty, the spirit, the law of the spirit of life moves into you. And begins to set you free from the dominion of sin in your life. That's sanctification. That is a real change in you. That's not declaration. That's transformation. So your new life in Christ begins with a legal declaration. Not guilty. No condemnation. Then once your standing with God is reversed from Guilt to forgiveness and rejection to acceptance. Now he pours the Holy Spirit mightily into your life and he begins to go to work transforming you. We call that sanctification. 
Now, my answer to the first question, what is it that the law cannot do, is those two things. The law cannot justify and the law cannot sanctify. And the reason I think that's what he means is because the word at the beginning of verse 3 is the word for. Because. He's giving now support for what he's just said. We could read it like this. Let's collapse the three verses with a paraphrase that go like this. Justification is in Christ Jesus and sanctification the very words are used, is in Christ Jesus because the law couldn't do these things. They had to be done in Christ Jesus by God sending his son to die in our place. That's the flow of thought. So justification, no condemnation. And sanctification, the law of the spirit of life, is working freedom for me in my own heart, triumphing over my bondage to sin. The law could not do. And God had to do by sending Jesus. So my first answer to the question, what can't the law do? Is it cannot justify you and it cannot sanctify you. And those two things must happen to you or you get no eternal life. You must be justified and you must be sanctified in order to inherit life someday. Now, the second answer, or the second way to see the answer to the first question, is in verses 3 and 4. Not only does the justification and sanctification precede the statement about the law's inability, it follows the statement about the law's inability as well. Verse 3, let's read it. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did... Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as offering for sin. Here's what he did. He condemned sin in the flesh. That's exactly what he said in verse 1. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why not? Because in verse 3, condemnation was put on Jesus in our place. He condemned sin in the flesh. That is something the law cannot do. It says so explicitly. The law is really good at pronouncing condemnation on you. In fact, that's what it's especially good at. The law pronounces condemnation. In fact, it rubs it in, according to chapter 7. The law came, sin revived, I died. It stirs up in me all kinds of rebellion. I had not known sin if the law had not said, you shall not covet. And the law came in and stirred up in me all kinds of covetousness. The law does not bring us out of condemnation. It rubs sin into the wound of our fallenness. Stirs up sin in our lives. And so the first thing that law cannot do is condemn sin in the flesh. God had to do that by sending his divine, holy, innocent Lamb of God. We sang Agnus Dei, Lamb of God in Latin. He sent this Lamb to bear your condemnation, which the law could never do. It could pronounce you guilty. It couldn't bear your guilt. 
Now verse 4. Verse 4 is sanctification, just like verse 2 was sanctification. It begins with, so that. So that, that is, the sin was condemned in Jesus and mine was taken away. My condemnation was taken away. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh. Now we're talking about walking. This is not declaration. This is transformation. When your verdict is changed to not guilty, the Spirit moves. And when you walk by the Spirit, you fulfill the essence of the law. We'll be talking about that next week. The essence of the law is love. So here's the second thing the law cannot do. And the reason I think it's plain that the law cannot do it is because if the word so that at the beginning of verse 4 shows that sanctification, the work of the Spirit in our walk, is the result or the effect or the purpose of justification, then if justification, the cause of sanctification and the ground and enablement of sanctification can't be done by the law, neither can the result. So now we have the answer to the first question given twice. The answer is, what can the law not do? The law cannot justify you, and the law cannot sanctify you. Verse 1 and verse 3 say the law can't justify. Verse 2 and verse 4 say the law can't sanctify you. Now the question is, why? But before I answer the question why, from the text, it's stated explicitly in verse 3, why? Before I do that, let me just stop a minute and say again the most urgent thing. There probably are people in this room right now who are not justified. There still hangs over your life the sentence of condemnation. And it hasn't been removed. Because it's only removed in Christ. Not by law keeping. I mean, you may be a pretty good person from Lake Wobegon. And think, I'm as good as three-fourths of the people I know. That's utterly irrelevant. Because you're guilty before an almighty God. I was doing an interview in London when I was there. Actually, it was in Oxford two weeks ago. And they said, what did you think about September 11? I said, I think it was a call to repentance. And he said, repentance from what? I said, God neglect. God neglect. In the church, outside the church. We're guilty for what we've made of God. Not because we've committed adultery. So you've got a pretty clean record. What have you done with God in your life? Has He gotten all your heart, all your soul, all your energy, all your might, with infinite, powerful love flowing out, which He's worthy of? And the answer to that for everybody in this room is no. And therefore we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and what He deserves from our lives. And a condemnation hangs over us. And there is one hope justification embraced by faith alone and not works of the law. And so I just want to make it real clear. If you want to be right with God, 
Don't turn to the law. Is that clear? Don't turn to the law. Turn to Christ. Now, why? That's my second and last question. Why? Verse 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh. There it is. Why couldn't the law justify and sanctify? Answer, it is weak through the flesh. In other words, the weakness of the law is not owing to the fact that the commandments of the law are evil, but the fact that we're evil. When the law meets us, it meets rebellion and fallenness. That's what flesh is. Flesh is who John Piper is minus the grace of God. My will, my mind, my body. Flesh is not just skin. It is all of me minus God saving. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, Jesus said. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. What you are by your first birth is flesh. What you become by your second birth is a spiritual living creature. You must be born again. Before new birth, we are only flesh. And flesh is fallenness and corruption and rebellion against God, manifest in all kinds of religious ways, as well as lustful ways. So the law cannot justify because it was never designed to handle the problem created by the flesh, namely condemnation. Remember Romans 5, 18? It goes like this. Through the one man's transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Now think clearly what condemnation is, because there's so many people who approach their problem with God as though it is merely a problem of their badness. If I could just get fixed, he'd like me. That's not the main problem. Your badness is not the main problem. The main problem is God's verdict. Guilty. That's the main problem. Doesn't matter how much a person who has committed capital crimes clean up their act, the judge doesn't say, well then we'll just let bygones be bygones. The rape doesn't count, the murder doesn't count, the thievery doesn't count, because you've cleaned up your act. That is not the way God functions, it's not the way we function. Guilt is guilt and it stays guilt, and no amount of law keeping makes you unguilty. The issue for us is condemnation first. Then transformation. So, what can the law do with my condemnation? Nothing. I have one possible hope. That I will turn away from the law to Christ. And embrace him as the one who bore my condemnation. So that there is now a declaration from the judge. I reverse the verdict. I reverse the verdict. Not guilty. Justified. Righteous. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's my hope. Before there's any talk about 
law-keeping or conforming this rebellious nature to him. He justifies the ungodly by faith alone. You read it in a verse like this. He comes to the end of this long, terrible indictment of the human race. And he says, we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. By works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So the reason the law can't justify is because it's weak through the flesh. Our fallenness, our condemnation, our corruption, the law hits it, and all it does is pronounce it guilty and stir it up and cannot fix it. You turn away from the law to the Son of God, whom God sent into the world, and in his Son he condemned your sin. And if you'll have him, you'll have forgiveness. Last point. Why can't it sanctify? And here I knew I would be out of time, which I am. So I stopped preparing. And we're going to pick it up here next Sunday because I thought I was going to do this point this morning. And then I realized it's Communion Sunday. And I wouldn't get it. And I don't want to sell this point short because you've got to get this. Christians especially, you've got to get this. Just put a point on next Sunday. Right now we're in a land where fear and anger seethe just beneath the surface. Anthrax we're afraid of. Bridges being blown up we're afraid of. The infrastructure of our society collapsing on us so that we can't count our electricity or our refrigeration or our heat this winter or clean water coming out of the tap or the sewer system working right, or 911 answering when we call, we are trembling that all the things we've depended on all along are going to be gone. Now I ask you a question. Where are you going to get the resources to love your enemy at a moment like this, Christian? That's what you're about. How are you going to return good for evil today and in the days to come? Where are you going to get Courage and fearlessness and boldness and joy. Where are you going to find the rock under your feet and a new kind of heart that enables you to return good for evil and pray for those who persecute you and love your enemies? Where's that going to come from? And I'll tell you, it isn't going to come from the law. And that's what I want to talk about next week. Well, where, where then? Where do you turn? If you don't turn to the list, the Ten Commandments... Where do you turn? And the answer is you turn to Christ. And we need to unpack practically how that works. Romans 7, 4. I'm going to go back to again and again and again and again over the next years. Because it says there, you have died to the law which held you captive in order that you might be united to or belong to another, him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. That's love. 
That's what we want in these tremendously difficult days. I want to be a loving person. I want my mouth to be a fountain of life. I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. I want to have emotional resources when others are caving and cowering. And they look to the Christian and say, All right, you got a hope? Tell me your hope. And we rise to the occasion with love and sacrifice and service. You ain't going to get that from the law. Believe me. You will get it from the almighty, supernatural, indwelling, triumphant, crucified, and risen Christ. Now, that's the point I wasn't going to preach on. (laughs) I had to squeeze it in. So we will unpack that next Sunday from verses 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. They're all about this. In fact, almost all of Romans 8 is about living in the Spirit. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing as you trust in His precious and very great promises and thus fill you with His Holy Spirit and transform you for the sake of this world. And all the people said, Amen. You're dismissed.